Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. This is another episode of the Box Hard Podcast. We're going to bring you another world champion on this week's show. We're going to get through to that very, very shortly. That's going to be in the second part of the show. So we're going to begin with part one. This part, of course, the review part. If you've listened before, you know what that is. We're going to start with a card that took place over in... The Exchange LA, Los Angeles, California, I believe this was last Thursday, so that would be Thursday the 23rd of March. Uh, One fight to mention on this bill, Shane Mosley Jr. moved to 10 professional wins, of course he's got that one loss. He picked up a KO win in the second round over Demetrius Walker. So a good win there for Shane Mosley Jr. Also on the Thursday night, moving over to a card that I actually streamed because it wasn't on TV in the UK. It was over in the Fantasy Springs Casino in India, California, of course, USA. Um, I'm going to start with the undercard. I actually missed a couple of these fights. I only managed to see the main event. So we're going to start with a fight on the undercard. A young prospect that we've had on the show before out of the Garcia gym, Hector Tanahara. He was 7-0 and going into his fight against Daniel Perales, who was 10-8 and with one draw. Uh, Tanahara was decked in the second round. It was scheduled for six, and he managed to get up off the canvas and win unanimously over six rounds. So a good win there for Tanahara. Um, obviously, it's not ideal to go down, but it's better that this happens, a little bit of a gut check there, early on in his career against an opponent like that, and he got up and won, which shows good heart there for a man who's only 7-0, and he's very, very young as well, so great stuff there, showing some serious grit and heart and determination there in a young fighter, so that's always good to see, so Tanahara now moves to 8-0, uh, also on that card, Maurizio Herrera, he picked up his 23rd win out of 30 fights, he got a unanimous decision win over 8 rounds at welterweight this one against Hector Velasquez, who had a record of 57 and 28 with three draws. Serious amount of fights under his belt. Uh, That's it for that one. Moving on to the final fight on the undercard. Randy Caballero moved to 24 professional wins. A unanimous decision win over 10 rounds. He also picked up the, which was vacant, but now he's got it. It's the NABF Super Bantamweight title. Caballero was cut on the right eyelid from an accidental head clash in round 9. His opponent, Jesus Ruiz, 36-7 with 5 draws. The uh, you know he got defeated there, so he's now thirty six and eight with five draws. And the main event now, this one was for the vacant NABF middleweight title. Jason Quigley, we've had him on the show, of course, twelve and zero. He proceeded to thirteen and zero with a well, it was a bit of a. It was a bit of a funny fight, to be honest, against Glenn Tapia, 23 and 3 going into this fight, now 23 and 4. Uh, Tapia was also cut on the right eyelid from an accidental head clash during the fight as well. Um, 
Firstly, Jason Quigley, I believe, injured his hand. I think it was his right hand in the first or second round. So we didn't really know that in the fight. We only found out this afterwards. Uh, Jason Quigley started very well. Uh, he tired a little bit during the middle rounds. And the later rounds, he kind of found a bit of a second wind. Um, firstly, it was supposed to be a showcase fight. He was supposed to blow Glenn Tapia away. And Glenn Tapia is a man that many believe shouldn't even be anywhere near a boxing ring. Um, you know, he's a tough guy. He was very game. And he gave it his all, to be honest. But I've got to say, from Jason Quigley, he definitely did the cleaner work throughout the fight. It was a very fast-paced fight as well. So, uh, he did have to soak up pressure in some parts of it, which, again, played a part in the fight and the fact that both the fighters were uh, tiring towards the end. But, um, yeah, Jason showed some brilliant boxing skills, brilliant shot selection, and also going backwards for probably the first time in his career a few times in that fight he had to sort of work off the back foot a lot and we saw some great work from him so brilliant stuff there for Jason Quigley and that's it for the Fantasy Springs Casino that's it for Thursday night moving over now to a fight that took place on Friday night this one in a completely different uh, part of the world this one over in the Meadowbank Sports Centre Edinburgh Scotland United Kingdom I watched this fight actually top of the bill Josh Taylor 8-0 he proceeded to 9-0 with a TKO in round 6 over Warren Jubert who had a record of 26-4 and now 26-5 and and of course he also carries 5 draws Josh Taylor retained the Commonwealth Super Lightweight title um to be honest, Josh Taylor had a little bit of a slowish start. Um, his last fight, which I believe was in the States, he didn't really look too impressive. And, you know, he got cut, I remember. He got cut, I think it was in the first or second round. You know, it was an accidental head clash. I think it might have been in round round two, perhaps. And he came out absolutely steaming, trying to get rid of the man. You know, he didn't want any any cuts to stop the fight. So he, he kind of was in a bit of panic mode. And when he was fighting like that, even though he was landing the more shots and the better work, it wasn't the right way to fight a man like Jobert or Jubert. And... You know, he, he kind of didn't look very good when he was doing that. He was a little bit too desperate. And I think as the fight kind of went on, he was getting to the middle rounds, round six, he kind of calmed down a little bit. And, you know, the cut man did really well as well, by the way. So shout out to him. But, um, you know, he was in control during the, the whole fight. He won every round. And then he got him out of there with a beautiful left hook. Real, real nice. If I remember correctly, I think he touched him to the body and then came upstairs with a left hook that put him out. It was a brilliant punch. Real, you know, a real great, like, a real great display. Like, that, that type of punch there is not a punch that you can just pick up and learn after a few visits to the gym that's real clever clever stuff so I do like to see that in a young prospect and I tell you what what a fight Josh Taylor against O'Hara Davies will be I cannot wait for that I really really hope it comes off but that's it for the main event there moving down that undercard a couple of other fights I will mention uh, Comrade Cummins picked up the WBO European middleweight title so a good win for him there the title was vacant his record now 11-1 with one draw and he defeated Gogi Nezovic who had a record of 31 and 6 now 31 and 7 with one draw so a good win there a TKO in round 3 for 
Comrade Cummins. Also on that build, a final fight to mention on this one, Nick Webb, the heavyweight. He's a friend of the show. He picked up his 11th professional win over Andre Bunga, who had a record of 4-7. and seven. So really, Nick Webb should be doing a job on these guys, and he did. It was a points win over six rounds for Nick Webb. That's it for Scotland. Moving over now to a fight that happened in Germany. Uh, one fight to mention on this bill, really. Tyrone Zuiger, I think I'm saying that correctly, the WBA World Super Middleweight Champion. He picked up a win over Isaac Ekpo, who had a record of 31-2. and Tyrone Zuiger, 19-0 and with one draw. Uh, the Global Boxing Union World Super Middleweight title was also on the line. I'm not too sure how much credibility that belt really has, but... Um, yeah, Tyrone Zuiga got the job done. It was a technical decision in round five. So there was a cut that that you know that opened. I believe it was on Zuiga. I think it was on Zuiga. I didn't actually watch the fight, but you know, apparently he did a pretty good job. And then yeah, a cut happened and the fight had to get stopped due to the cut. So it went to the scorecards and Zuiga got it on a technical decision. So not the way he would have wanted to win the fight. But nonetheless, he gets the W, so he's now 20-0, and and he retains his WBA World Super Middleweight title. Isaac Ekpo, 31-3 and now. That's it for Germany. Moving over now to a fight that happened over in Italy. We're only really giving this guy a mention because, you know, he fought Ricky Burns, so he deserves a bit of a shout. And he's got a decent record, despite it being horrifically padded. Michele Di Rocco, he fought over in Lazio, Italy. He moved to 41 professional wins. Of course, he's got the two losses in the one draw. Uh, his opponent, Michael Avakian, who had a record of 38-28 and 28 with five draws. He got disqualified in round four. It's actually the second fight in a row, I believe, that Avakian has been disqualified. I'm not sure what actually happened, but he lost the fight there. So Michele Di Rocco picks up another win. Uh, that's it for Italy. Moving over now to a fight that happened in Mexico. Former world champion Johnny Gonzalez, 62 wins, 10 losses. He picked up a KO in round three over Francisco Contreras, 30 and 5. Um, yeah, decent win there for Johnny Gonzalez. I suppose he's pretty old now. He's way past his best, but he gets a good win there, a good knockout in round three. It was pretty brutal. And of course, the interim WBC Latino Super Featherweight title was on the line there, so that goes home with Johnny Gonzalez. A good win over there in Mexico. Now, 63 wins. That's incredible. Moving over now to the big one that happened in Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN, formerly the phones for you in Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. Uh, Lawrence Okoli making his pro debut. Of course, we were all excited for this, an Olympian for our country, for Team GB, I should say, in the Rio 2016 Olympics. So Lawrence Okoli made his debut against a guy called Jeffrey Cave. It was a change of opponent. I actually wanted to see him take on the guy that Isaac Chamberlain fought, Russ Henshaw, but that didn't end up happening because I think he had a fight the week before and got beat. So a bit of a silly choice by him. Um, Lawrence Okoli did the job. He uh, he landed two right hooks to the head of Cave, 
and the fight was called a halt. I believe it was in about 30 seconds of the first round. I'm not sure if that's 100%, but I know it was a first round knockout. Uh, so a good explosive start there for Lawrence Acoli. Just what we expected, to be completely honest. Also on that bill, Hosea Burton picked up his 19th win out of his 20 fights. A points win for him over eight rounds at light heavyweight against Tamas Korsma, who had a record of 5-2 and two with two draws. So a good win there for Hosea Burton, a fighter that I have got a lot of time for, to be honest. I do like Hosea Burton. Also on that bill, Marcus Morrison, 14-0, took on Jason Wellborn, 20-6. Marcus Morrison, the undefeated man under the guidance of Joe Gallagher. Wow, oh wow. To be honest, he um, he started the fight, well, he didn't start the fight pretty good, to be honest. He started the fight pretty bad, despite Jason Wellborn coming out in round two, landing the better shots. He was definitely going to win that round, and then Marcus Morrison decked him in the second round. And that made me think, right, a good start from Jason Wellborn. The tide's going to change. He's running out of gas. Oh boy, I was so wrong. Jason Wellborn went on to win a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Marcus Morrison, to be honest, he he showed a lot of heart. You know, it was very gutsy from him. He was absolutely being bashed up real bad. Um, You know, he seems like a nice kid, and it was horrible to see it because he's a prospect, but that was his real, like, you know, his real sort of acid test, his first acid test, and he didn't come through it. To be honest, Joe Gallagher had many opportunities where I thought he should have stopped the fight or could have stopped the fight, I should say. Um, I think the you know the, the commentators were also saying that really the fight should be stopped. Marcus Morrison took an absolute pasting, but the fact that he was there to hear that final bell says a lot about his character, to be honest. We don't like to see that too often. We don't like to see that too often because it's not very good for a young fighter to you know to go through that. Uh, obviously, you know it was his first kind of step up. So, yeah, a real bad result there for Marcos Morrison, despite showing um, great character. I know that it was a hard pill to swallow for him. I think he said the very next day, but he's looking to get straight back at it. So, you know, he showed character, and we're very pleased to to see that from him. So all the best to Marcos Morrison, now 14-1. and one. Um, Jason Wellborn, 20-6, and six, or I should say 21-6 and six now. He's taking home the WBC International Silver Middleweight title. So a good win there for Jason Wellborn. Really, really showed up in that fight. Katie Taylor got in there against a former world title challenger, despite Milena Koliva having a record of 9-7 and seven with one draw. She got in there. Katie Taylor went to points this one. It was an eight-rounder, which is eight two-minute rounds. Katie Taylor moved to 4-0. and oh. um, It was a little bit more hustle and bustle than she usually has in her fight, so I won't say that she was in any trouble, but it was a decent fight, to be honest, I mean, she won pretty much every round, she looked, you know, she looked really good again, and yeah, it's it's another fight in the building process, hopefully she fights for a world title this year, but um, yeah, great win for Katie Taylor, uh, also on this bill, Martin J. Ward, we had him on our show last week, he told me that he didn't think this fight was going to go the distance, but it did go the distance, it actually did, it's the first fight between them that's gone 12 rounds, the other two were scheduled for 10, um, Martin J. Ward again gets another defense of his British super featherweight title and his WBC international super featherweight title, Maxi Hughes, well, he did all right. He did all right in parts, to be honest. But Martin J. Ward, the much 
sort of crisper boxer and a much more um, accurate boxer as well. Martin J. Wall doesn't miss a lot of shots. He's pretty accurate for me. Um, he showed up and did a decent job. Uh, but it wasn't all his own way. He kind of switched off a little bit during some of the rounds, which gave Maxi Hughes a bit of false hope, I think. But, you know, as the, as the fight went on, Martin J. Wall seemed to take over stamina-wise. He's in better condition, I think. Maxi Hughes, I think he was coming off of about 12 months out. So, you know, it's to be expected, to be honest. But Martin J. Wall gets a good win there. Um, three times they fought now. One draw and two wins for Martin J. Wald. So hopefully we don't see a fourth one. I don't think there's any need for the Mayweather-Pacquiao antics. But that's it for that one. Moving up the card now. Jack Armfield, 23-2, and two, took on Brian Rose, 29-4 and four, with one draw. Brian Rose was in what's called a must-win fight. That's what he said. It's a must-win fight. I had to agree with him. Brian Rose was up at middleweight here as well. Um, firstly, Jack Armfield... I believe, was very, very lucky to get the decision against John Ryder, which, you know, just happened at the back end of last year. And he got in there against Brian Rose, and I've got to be honest, I actually had a bet going on. Brian Rose to win on points, and Jorge Linares to win on points. So I was pretty gutted when Brian Rose lost, because for me, he won that fight. And he feels he won that fight. And a lot of people felt like he won that fight. So Jack Armfield gets another gift decision for him. So he's record now 24-2. and two. Brian Rose 29-5 and five with one draw. I know that Brian Rose definitely wants to get to 30 professional wins. So he'll be fighting again for sure. But like I say, he really should have won that fight. I know that he's going to want a rematch as well. Both men from Blackpool. The Battle of Blackpool, that one. Uh, that's it for that one. We're moving over now to the main event Jorge Linares, 41 and 3, putting his WBA World Lightweight title on the line against Anthony Crawler, 31 and 5 with three draws. Crawler aiming to win his world title back. A second fight in Manchester now. Linares has been brought over twice. Crawler, of course, with all that momentum, he's got like a, a brilliant story going into these fights. We love Anthony Crawler on this show. We certainly do. Ayaz, how did you see that fight before I give my opinion? Anthony Crawler was doing very good, but to be honest, Lenara is a magician, yeah? The way he was picking up his shots and hitting Anthony Crawler, it was an uppercut that was landing on Anthony Crawler all the time. And I had, obviously, um, from the start, I said that Crawler, Crawler, yeah, in order for him to win, he needs to jab and move, jab and move. But Lenara is a very, very good fighter, so when he was, he was winning with the points with the uppercuts. As I say, I believe, I, I don't actually remember the scorecards, as you might be able to help me if you know them. Um... I think, well, obviously, you know, Linares won a unanimous decision over 12 rounds. Um, I think it was 11 rounds to one, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, you know, that's pretty much a shutout. You know, that was a brilliant, brilliant performance. But remember, Crawler was down in the seventh round. He was also cut as well. Um, you know, it was a brilliant performance by Linares. It was very clinical. He was very awkward. Just the way that he moves from side to side, like he'll sort of be throwing shots while moving to his left, and then all of a sudden, no warning, he's right back over to his right, and he's he's throwing a right hook. And it was just real awkward. He came with... Um, you know, he came he, he came with some improvements from the last fight, whereas I think Crawler didn't really have any improvements to make. And obviously, he wasn't going into that fight with any momentum last weekend. He was coming into the first fight with a lot of momentum, and that's why I think the, the fight was a little bit closer the first time round. Um, I think Crawler did have some success in the later rounds. He came out and won the eighth round for me. 
Um, you know, he he did pretty well in the eighth round. I think he did all right in the ninth round as well, if I if I remember. And as the fight went on, it, it seemed like Crawler wanted to start slow and try and come on with with like an onslaught in the later rounds. It, that's what I thought was going to happen, but it seemed like if that was the case, that that stamina and that energy that he was saving up got punched out of him because he didn't really have much left during the later rounds. It looked like Linares had a better, you know, had a better. Um, a better engine over the stretch of the rounds, even though Crawler seemed to be a little bit reserved in the first few. So, yeah, a bit of a strange performance, really. In the 11th round, at the end of the 11th round, obviously, Joe Gallagher looked like he was going to pull Crawler out. I think it's an interesting point that he wanted to pull Crawler out, but he didn't nearly pull out Marcus Morrison, who was absolutely getting a pasting, if, if I may say so, earlier on in the night. So that was a strange one, but Crawler... You know, he kind of begged Joe Gallagher to let him hear the final bell, which I think he deserved to. I don't think, even though he was losing every every round, it seemed he he didn't he didn't seem like he was in any real trouble or took a right battering, um, especially when there was only one round to go. If he did take a battering, then it, it wasn't so conclusive that he was going to get stopped or anything. He wasn't really being hurt. I don't know. Some people may have a different view on that. I just think with one round to go, there was no real need to stop it. Uh, I expected Crawler to give it his all in the 12th round. He probably did, but we didn't really notice it because Linares finished so strong as well. And of course, he was so happy to fight in front of Oscar De La Hoya. And he's ready for, hopefully, Mikey Garcia. That would be a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant unification fight. I'd love to see that. Just before we move on from this subject, Ayaz, if Jorge Linares fought Mikey Garcia, which will mean Mikey Garcia putting his WBC on the line, Linares putting his WBA on the line, who wins that fight for you? Um, I've got Mikey Garcia winning by points. I've got Mikey Garcia winning that fight. I'm not sure if I'd say points or knockout, but we both went with a points win for... Linares, so we were both right about that. Um, that's it for the Manchester card. Moving over now to the final bill. I think there's one fight to mention on this one before we're done with the review. In a fight that took place over in France, even Mendy picked up his 37th career win. Of course, he's got four losses and one draw. He beat Juan Okura, who had a record of 13 and 9, now 13 and 10, with one draw. It was a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds. We do want to see even Mendy back in the ring with Luke Campbell for a rematch but hey it remains to be seen but that's really it for the reviewing we've done all the talking there it's now time to welcome our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the unbeaten current british and european light middleweight champion mr liam williams liam welcome to the show thank you for having me mate much appreciate it Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. Now, Liam, in just 10 days' time, you step in the ring to face former WBO world champion Liam Smith. It's been billed the Battle of the Liams. Firstly, Liam, uh, there's a bit of bad blood there, to be honest. It seems to have come out of pretty much nowhere. Where did that all stem from? Um, to be honest, I, I don't really think there's... I wouldn't really say there's bad blood, to be honest. It was just, it, you know, it's coming a bit closer now, and, um, you know... Tensions are running a little high. It's only ten days till we step in the ring together, so um, you know it's not really bad blood. I don't, I don't dislike the guy. It's gonna, it's gonna fight him, and unfortunately, we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be beating each other up in ten days. So, 
Okay. Um, what do you think of Liam as a fighter? Obviously, you know, he's, he's fought at a, a pretty high level in that one fight against Canelo. Uh, some people kind of knock his, his, world, his world title reign a little bit. What do you think of him as a fighter, Liam? Um, I've, I've said from day one, I, I, I do believe that he's a, he's a class fighter. He's a very good fighter. But um, I just, you know, I, I believe in my own ability and I'm very confident in all the work and, you know, every, everything I've been doing, you know, over the, well, since I turned pro, basically, just I believe I've done everything the right way and I'm definitely ready for this fight now. And as I say, I said there was a little bit of bad blood. You said it's not so much bad blood. I've seen a couple of statements where he's a little bit dismissive of of the achievements that you know that you've that you've you know achieved as a pro. Do you feel in any way disrespected by anything he said at all in the build up? Uh, not not really disrespected, but I do I do feel to a certain extent that he's kind of uh, overlooking he's, you. A little. You know, yeah, maybe overlooking a little, um, and. Maybe thinks I'm not quite good enough to step up to the mark and fight him, but you know it's, it's only him and his team that's saying that. To be honest, with everybody else is, you know, everybody else thinks it's a fifty-fifty fight. So, you know, like just like myself, I I don't think it's a fifty-fifty fight on my part. I believe, you know, that I'm the better man, which which every fighter should believe. So, um, you know, you can't really blame them for that. It's just like his mentality and um, you know he, he believes he's the better man so they played well and obviously we know he was you know he was a world champion but in your opinion is he world level yeah I do uh, <clears throat> I do believe he's world level but not, he's not an elite level fighter which um, unfortunately he came up against in in Canelo so um, you know he he took a loss there and Obviously, set him back. Now he's now he's got to step in with me, and I I believe he's going to have another loss on his record. So, you know, I I do think he's a quality fighter, and he, he is world level, uh, just just not elite level. So, you know, he he deserves credit for all his achievements. You mentioned that Canelo fight there. Is that a fight that you've studied a lot? Yeah, yeah, no, I I took little things from the fight. You know, very little things I've taken from the fight because. At the end of the day, I'm I'm not Canelo Alvarez. Um, you know, we we totally different fighters, and there's certain things I can take away. But again, nothing nothing too much, and I've got to work on, you know, my my own attributes and what I do well, and use them against his downfalls. You know. And I've looked at the odds, and I've, you know, in, in the bookies, I've looked at the odds, and as you say, a lot of people see it as, as a 50-50 fight. So do the bookies. The bookies see it very, very close. I think they edge Liam Smith as, a, as just a real, real slight favourite. Um, you, you said that you've got the belief going into this fight as you're going to beat him, and you, you're sure that he has too. Do you have any kind of feel of an underdog going into this, or do you see yourself as as you know the superior ah. man? I know that again. I'm not saying do you think you can beat him. Of course, you think you can beat him, but do you have that underdog feel going in at all? Yeah, I do. Um, I believe I, I do believe that I probably should be a slight underdog, just just the way I am. Really, uh, I know it's, people think it's a pretty even fight, which is. Which is a good thing. That's fair enough. Um, but you know, just basically, just coming off the 
of his last fight. I know he lost, but he he made a very good account of himself, and you know he done he done well against the. I would say pretty much the main man in boxing now. So, you know, he's he's been under that pressure. He's seen it all before. And may, maybe that should, you know, tip him as the slight favourite. Yeah, I will just say there that his last fight, funny enough, was he had a fight about a week ago, didn't he, in Spain for some reason. He fought, he fought a guy in Spain who had about three wins and about 37 losses or something, which was quite a shock. I was a bit surprised with that. Were you a bit surprised with that? Yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't even know the fight was happening. Um, it was obviously a reason behind it. He needed to get that win to, to you know, for us to be able to contest for the for the uh, WBO World Interim Belt. So, um, you know, that's it's a good thing, really, for me. Um, you know, it gives gives that extra bit of something to our fight, and it's an extra belt and a, and a good opportunity for me. So, you know, it was, it was a little bit risky for him. Yeah. Uh, nor, nor in the fact that, you know, this this guy was anywhere near his level, but you know he could have he could have busted on he could have, um, he could have had cuts. You never know. Um, the guy only had he only had actually two wins in forty contests. So, um, you know, he, he was never in a million years going to beat Smith. Um, yeah, the only risks were hand injuries and and cuts. I would have said so. But you know that that's done that's done dusting now, and it it works in in the favour of us for for our upcoming fight. And, and I've got to ask you this, Liam: How has training camp gone for yourself? Obviously, you're going to be uh, it's going to be the last the last couple of days of it now. How's it gone so far? It's gone perfectly. Uh, we've you know we've done everything pretty much as normal. We've been away. We did go away for two weeks. Uh, you know some some quality sparring. Um, you know, a bit of altitude running, um, just just getting away from home really and keeping things fresh, you know. So that was good. Everything else, diet's gone well. My weight's very good. Um, we've had we've had quality sparring, so um, you know, it's it's no excuses for my end. I've done everything asked of me and prepared in the right way. Good to hear. And uh, is is there anyone you can tell us about that you've sparred at all? Um, you know, no. It's not been any massive names. It's just all, all quality. Um, yeah, just 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 solid, strong fighters come forward, and um, you know, pretty much like Smith, he's going to yeah. come forward and have a bit of a, you know, he's going to have a good goal. So, um, yeah, just 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 strong game fighters, really. And the final question on this fight for the moment. Um, do you see this fight, in all honesty, do you see this fight as the toughest fight of your life? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not going to downplay it. I've said it all along, I think, I think Smith is quality and I rate them. So, yes, it's, it's definitely my hardest fight to date. Uh, but again, I believe, you know, this is this is why I'm in boxing and this is why I've, this is why I've said I've these are the fighters set out to be in when I turn professional and you know make a name for myself. So I definitely believe it's one that I'm that I'm going to overcome and and step up to our next mark. Excellent stuff. Now I want to ask you this, Liam. Do you watch the sport a lot? Are you a fan of the sport? Do you watch other boxing matches? Yeah, I love it, mate. I watch I watch everything. 
who do you like to watch in particular? You got a couple names that you like to watch more than anyone else? Yeah, I really like to watch um, Roman Gonzalez. The absolutely class, um, always entertaining, um, and he's got a very uh, fan-friendly style. So I love watching him. I really like Terence Crawford. He's oh, yeah. he's class. He's class again. Um, he's got the skills. Uh, he's got a very good skill set, and he's he don't mind getting involved with it as well. So he's exciting. And Lomachenko, I really like watching Lomachenko. He's again, I think he's probably one of the best fighters out there. The things he does, like you know, it's, it actually winds me up watching him because I think, <laughs> how the hell does he do these things? You know, um, it like yeah, it drives me crazy watching him because I just wish I could do half the things he does. <laughs> Yeah, some good fighters there. And um I wanna ask you this. If you know your if you know your division, your your weight category well enough, um you, you know, if you, if you can't give us five names then that's fine. But I wanted to ask you your top five names. Uh if you, not in any order, if you want to do them in order you can. Who would you say is the top five best light middleweights in the world at the moment? Well Alvarez is, is an obvious one. Yeah. He's he's currently the 154 pound champion, but um, it's looking likely that he's going to move up. So, well, yeah, I suppose you still got a company. Yeah, he's, he's still world champion. Yeah, you got the Charles. Um, both both Charles ones just just moved up to the middleweight division, but only recently gave up his his title. Um, you got Eros Landy Lara, which is another class Cuban fighter. Demetrius Andrade. Yeah, we had him on the show two weeks ago. Real good fighter. Just reclaimed the title. Yeah, again, um, two-time world champion now. Class, very skillful. Um, you know, I, I, at the at this current time, there's the light middleweight or you know the super middleweight, 154, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's it's so competitive at the moment, and you've got some really you know top-notch fighters. So. There's some some very exciting fights out there for me. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It is a brilliantly talent-packed division. Now, uh, Liam, finally, the final question before I let you go. Uh, I want to ask you if you've got one. If you don't, then it's it's completely fine. I wanted to ask you if you have a prediction. Please let us know. How do you see this fight ending? Uh, I I don't really know. Uh, I've I've gone over and over the fight in my head, trying to you know kind of play it out. To be honest, I don't really care how how I win. I just I just predict that I'm going to come away with a win, um, put in a solid shift, solid performance, and um, yeah, just, just I just want to come away with a win, however that win comes. Hey, that's all that matters, my friend. That's all that matters. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, listen, Liam. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck for your fight next Saturday, and we'll catch up sometime after. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, I appreciate the time. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, we've got two small segments to bring you. We're going to bring in Ayaz on the news. And also, we're going to do the funny name fighter segment, which returns. It's been quite a while. But firstly, Ayaz with this week's news. Okay, Luis Ortiz will fight on April 22nd on the Al Heyman show, which is which stars Andre Butterby's Sean Porter. Yes, um, I'm not sure what's happening here. I haven't really heard Eddie Hearn mention anything about Lewis Ortiz in recent times, so I don't know what's going on there. But he seems to have signed a deal with Al Heyman, 
which again we've seen Lee Selby do similar things he's with Eddie Hearn but then he's also with Al Heyman at the moment he's actually a free agent Lee Selby but you you can be with both guys just like James DeGaul he's with both guys so I'm not quite sure what that really means but he's you know he's he's back out again and he's going to be on the April 22nd bill so it's a good thing for well for heavyweight boxing really but yeah again we need to see what's going on we need to know a little bit more about Eddie Hearn's involvement there but time will tell any more news for us, Ayaz? Joe Cordino will make his professional debut on the Gabriel Rosado and Martin Murray undercard. Yes, another guy, another Olympian who's just turned over, so we're excited for that fight. Obviously, you know, he's, he's just recently signed with Matchroom. It's good to know when he's going to be out this soon. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The WBC have confirmed that Tony Bellew is now Emeritus champion and no longer holds a full title at Cruiserweight under their governing body. Yes, Tony Bellew's been... I'm not sure if it's upgraded or downgraded. I suppose in in reality it's upgraded. He's been upgraded to the Emeritus Champion. I think that's how it's said. Emeritus or Emeritus, I'm not sure. Um, so he's actually not the WBC World Champion anymore. Um, he's been given a status where the WBC have sat down and decided that after that fight against Hay at heavyweight, they believe that he's going to probably have another fight or two at heavyweight. So they believe they're going to be waiting quite a long time before their belt is going to be defended at at cruiserweight. So I think it's a little bit unfair because as far as I was told by, you know, by, by Dave Caldwell and I've seen Eddie Hearn saying it, that he was going to be allowed to keep that WBC belt. That's what everybody was saying before the fight with Hay. And I know that he's going to be out for about five months or so with an injury. So maybe they've took that into account when they've made this final decision. So he's been upgraded to the Emeritus Champion, which means that at any given point, he can turn around and get a straight shot at the WBC Champion. He hasn't got to fight any mandatories or anything. He can jump straight into it. That's probably if he decides to fight at cruiserweight next. If he has a fight at heavyweight, I'm not sure. Maybe that rules it out. But I remember the same thing happened with Vitaly Klitschko when he gave up his belt and, uh, you know, Bermain Stavern was fighting for it and whatever. He was given that status to come back and fight for the WBC heavyweight title whenever he wanted to, but he never did. So it's the same status that's been given here to Tony Bellew. But for me, it's not a good thing because Tony Bellew's reigns over. Another British champion loses his belt. So it's not a good thing for me. But, um, yeah, you know, what can you do about it? But, yeah, Tony Bellew, obviously we like him a lot. But, yeah, I believe his, his, his next fight probably probably will be at heavyweight and that's that's WBC second guessing there but i don't really think it's too fair that they should, that, that they've done that but at the same at the same time you can't have a belt that's not going to be defended so it's up for grabs this weekend in a fight that we're going to be previewing momentarily the WBC World Cruiserweight title so we're going to get onto that shortly any more news for us Ayaz? Dave Allen has announced he will appear on next month's Martin Murray and Gabriel Rosard undercard yes Dave Allen a friend of the show I'm not sure who he's fighting, but it's always good to know that he's back out soon. So all the best to Dave Allen. That's the opening shot of that one. Any more news for us, Ayers? Lawrence Okoli will fight on the Ricky Burns' undercard. Yeah, Ricky Burns obviously fighting mid-April against Julius Indongo in the unification bout at 
140. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see Lawrence Acoli getting out in Scotland. It's good to do a little bit of a tour, especially around Britain for these new fighters. So he's had one fight. He's going to be back out in Scotland. They might do what they did with Joshua when he kind of fought everywhere for a little bit in Scotland. I think he had a, a fight in maybe Wales or maybe Ireland. He's been around a little bit. So good stuff there that Matram are doing with Lawrence Acoli. Uh, that's it for the news, I believe, Vaz. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, brilliant stuff. We're now going to move on to the segment that we've neglected for a little while. It's a segment where we talk about the funny name fighters. So these fighters are purely, they've either fought last week or they're fighting this week. There's a string of names I'm going to read out and then me and I are going to choose a winner. Uh, who's got the funniest name out of all the names mentioned. So we've got about six or seven names for you. So here we go. Okay, so on a card the other day in Italy, on the same bill as Michele De Rocco, there was a guy on the card called Alexander Usyk. And we know that Alexander Usyk is obviously a cruiserweight world champion, but this guy, and a cruiserweight world champion that's undefeated as well, by the way, really good fighter. This guy is 0-1 with one draw, so he's doing Usyk a real bad... Uh, a real bad favour there. He actually got TKO'd in round three of a four-rounder. So there's two Alexander Usyk's eyes, and uh, this one's this one's got a bit of a dodgy spelling, but he definitely deserves a mention. Um, <laughs> that's it for Italy. There's one happening this week over in Malta. Believe it or not, this is a true name. It really, really is. There's a guy on the bill. He's a super bantamweight, and his name is Fortunate Boob. <laughs> I'm not joking. His name is actually Fortunate Boob. He's making his debut. So we wish Fortunate Boob all the best for his fight in Malta. Um, moving over now to one that's happening in Mexico. There's a guy on the bill there whose, whose last name actually is Cruz Rivers. So, um, <laughs> you know, he'll be cruising the rivers, hopefully, if he wins this fight, by the way. Otherwise, he might not be able to afford a boat. Uh, that's it for Mexico. Moving over now to... A fight that's happening over in South Africa. This guy on this bill has a name. It's a brilliant name. It really is. The name is Welcome Malubu. He's welcomed on this show very warmly. Um, moving over now to a bill that happened last week. There was a guy on that bill called Dravonte Speed Rules. He's 7-0. and He's got the one draw. And he moved to 8-0. He's still got the one draw, of course. So a good name there for Dravonte Speed rules. Moving over now to one that happened again in the USA last week. There's two crazy names on this bill. So, one guy making his debut and he got stopped in the first round as well. It's always the guys with the funniest names getting stopped or, or you know, or having real bad records. This guy, his name is Chris Two Moons. Okay, Chris Two Moons. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, he definitely gets a mention. And also on this bill, a man that was fighting on his debut as well, and he picked up a TKO in round one. So a good win here for this guy by the name of Melvin Weaselboy. It's amazing. It is amazing. Some of these names, they're just unbelievable. Um, there's also a guy that fought in Japan last week as well. I think we've mentioned him before. He's 8-0. He's now 9-0. He picked up a KO in round six. His name is Handsome Tiger. Lamandau, so he gets another mention, and finally I think it's the last one to mention now out of the funny names, a guy who fought in Tanzania, or Tanzania I should say and his name is Jongo Jongo, and we always like the names which repeat themselves so, uh, oh there's one last one as well in Italy this week, fighting for the vacant Italian super lightweight title Luca Macaroni, he gets a mention as well, 
uh, oh, I could do with a bit of food right now as it goes. But um, yeah, that is that is our name. That is our list. That is our list for you guys. So, um, as me and you are going to have to come up with which name we like the best out of those. So um, yeah, what do you what do you think? Which which name did you like the best? Which name did you find the most amusing out of those guys there? That Usk one. You like the Usyk one? Yes. See, I like the Usyk one, but I think I did like the macaroni one as well. But then at the same time, there was a couple of good ones actually. But I actually, I think, uh, I think if we're going to choose a winner, Ayers, I think we've got to go. We've got to be fair. I think we've got to go with. Let's go through them. Let's let's just look there. So we've got, we've got fortunate boob, which I think is a brilliant shout. We've got Alexander Usyk. Um, obviously we've got. Uh, Cruz Rivers, who's a good... Uh, I really like that name. We've also got Welcome Malubu, which gets a, a real good shout. Javante Speed Rules. Um, obviously, Melvin Weaselboy and Chris Two Moons. And finally, uh, Handsome Tiger, Lamandau, and also Jongo Jongo. With me, Ayaz, uh, Luca Macaroni as well gets a shout. For me, Ayaz, I think I'm going to go with Welcome Boob. I think Welcome Boob gets it. You sure you want to stick with Usyk, or are we going to go with Welcome Boob? Because that's a brilliant name. Yes, you're right. Welcome Boob's the funniest one. Give him a clap, Ayaz. Give him a clap. Welcome Boob. <laughs> Wicked. Right, moving on now to the preview part. This part, of course, where we preview the fights from this weekend. We're going to try to whiz through this as quick as possible. There's not too much to go over, in all honesty. A fight happening... Uh, this Thursday, so that will be tomorrow. This show was recorded on uh, Wednesday. So uh, tomorrow night, Thursday the 30th of March, one fight to mention over in Canada, the Montreal Casino, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Jojo Dan gets out again in his 40th pro outing. He's record 35-4 and four at the moment. He takes on Aaron Herrera, 31-6 and six with one draw. It's an eight-rounder at super welterweight, that one. So he's moved up since that Kell Brook fight. Um, I believe that Lucian Boutte is going to be ringside for it, but we've got to give that one a mention. Moving over now to Germany, Marco Huck, as we said in the news part of the show, it's for the full version of the WBC World Cruiserweight title. Um, it's also for the IBO World title as well. Marco Huck, 40-3 and three with one draw, takes on Maris Bredis, 21-0. and 0. Maris Bredis can seriously bang. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight. I believe it's on Box Nation. We're definitely going to be keeping a close close eye on that one. Also on that bill, Christina Hammer in her 21st fight. She's 20-0 and 0 at the moment, Christina Hammer. She takes on Maria Lindbergh, 15-1 and 1 with two draws. Christina Hammer's WBO and WBC world female middleweight titles are also on the line. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe she also called out Clarissa Shields this week. So that could be a bit of female beef there. Um, moving over now to the National Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. One fight to mention on this bill. It's a strange one. We haven't heard his name for a while, Ayaz. Mike Perez, the Cuban heavyweight, 21-2 and two with one draw. His opponent's yet to be announced. It's also not, um, it's not stated here how many rounds it's going to be, but Mike Perez has been out the ring since May of 2015 after being knocked out in the first round by Alexander Povetkin. So, you know, he, he almost vanished off the face of the earth, but he's back, and he's back fighting in Ireland, which is a bit of a mad one. We know he was out there for quite a while fighting, but it's been a few years. So, um, yeah, all the best to Mike Perez. Um, moving over now to the last couple of fights. There's one fight happening over in Nicaragua at the Charmin Bar. 
my type of venue, that, the Charman Bar. Ricardo Mayorga, former world champion, 31-9 and with one draw. We haven't seen him in the ring since August of 2015 when he got knocked out in the sixth round by an old Shane Mosley. So Ricardo Mayorga steps in again at this time against Jaudiel Zapida. Probably saying that wrong. His record 12-17 and 17 with one draw. Ricardo Mayorga, one of those guys that is at the top of the list of the guys that you think, why on earth are they still carrying on? A lot of um, pictures have been circulating of him sleeping in gas stations around South America. So he's, he's in real bad shape most of the time. So um, it's, <laughs> I don't know why he still boxes. It's one of the mysteries in the boxing game. And finally, the final card to mention happening over in the Aldridge Arena, Maplewood, Minnesota, USA. A fight that we do have to mention. A friend of the show, Luis Cuba Arias, 16-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Scott Sigmund, 29-10 with one draw. It's for the USBA middleweight title and the WBC United States silver middleweight title. So uh, all the best to Lewis Arias. We know that he split with Floyd Mayweather. We had him on the show talking all about that. He's still undefeated. He's still doing well, and we wish him all the best. He's a nice kid. Uh, that's really it for the previewing. We've done all the talking. We've done the reviewing. We brought you the first guest. On part two, we did the news part. We did the funny name fighter. I hope that you enjoyed it. And we also did the previewing just for you there. So the last thing to do is to welcome another world champion to the Box Hard Podcast. I believe it's our 29th world champion. It's, of course, time for guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO super lightweight world champion, Mr. Demarcus Corley. Demarcus, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. Now, Demarcus, you've been a pro for almost 21 years. You're fighting next weekend, in which will be your 77th pro fight. We're going to get into that shortly. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about was I want to go back to the night that changed your life forever, the 30th of June 2001, Chop. Uh, please tell us about that fight. What a fight. <laughs> we got a phone call on Tuesday. I'd like to get out of the gym. And um, they asked me, um, would we be willing to step in and fight for the WBO super lightweight title at 140 pounds, which I was already training, just staying ready for anything that came about. And um, we said, yeah. They said, well, the fight will be uh, Saturday night in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. I said, okay. They said, uh, you'll be fighting um, near Julio, but... He has to have surgery on his eyes, so you're going to step in and fight Felix Flores, and the winner will have to give Emir a rematch if you win because I beat Emir uh, for the USBA title like a year ago, two years before that. Yeah, that's so, right. Um, yeah. I, said, I said, sure. So uh, we took the fight on a five-day notice, and we watched the fight with Flores fighting Sean Bay Mitchell. So I had like three days just to prepare for Flores, seeing how he sat down on his punches and he'd make mistakes when he was about to throw a punch. So them three days that we were in the gym working, we said we're going to catch him with this shot and catch him with that shot. And um, the game plan worked. It worked just so great. I mean, the fight was over. Two minutes and 49 seconds of the first round. And that was the beginning of the chop chop. (laughs) 
Yeah, of course. It's it's a strange one because going into that fight, the puncher of the two, you'd have to say in terms of resumes, would have to be Felix Flores. But uh, taking him out in the first round, as you say, two minutes forty nine seconds. I'm sure you won't forget that it was uh, it was it was an explosive start, and that was really the beginning as you say, of Chop Chop. So it's a brilliant memory for yourself. I'm sure one that you'll never forget. No, I will never forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. So um, I want to I go, go through, or I want to sort of proceed through a couple of other fights. I want to skip a couple. I know that, um, obviously, you defended the title successfully twice. Uh, then you ran into Zab Judah which was a very, very close fight. I want to move on yeah. to the fight that you've probably been asked about more times than any other fight, the Floyd Mayweather fight. This was obviously at the Boardwalk Hall in uh, in 2004. Yeah, I want to ask you what you remember of that fight, because obviously, you know, back then, Floyd didn't have the legacy, or, or he was just in the making of the legacy that he now has. What do you remember about uh-huh. that fight? I remember everything about it. Um, we knew... Fighting Floyd would be the biggest fight of my life because if we beat it, Floyd, we were going to get a shot at a Terrell Gotti. That was the fight right there, the winner fight Gotti for the WBC title. And uh, we knew Floyd was a great amateur because we were amateurs together. And he beat one of my best friends at that time, James Baker. Uh, he beat James real bad. And uh, leading up to that fight, he said, I'm going to do you like I did your friend James. I'm like, okay, we'll see. But I always noticed I was very humble leading into that fight. So he was trying to get me out of my game and get me frustrated. And obviously that was a very tactical affair. You've shared the ring with Floyd. He's very much changed his style over the years. Back then, he was a completely different fighter. He's obviously a lot more defensive now. Would you say, because he claims to be himself, he says he's the TBE, he's the best ever. Would you say he's got a shout at being the best ever or no way? He is the best ever. He proved his point. I mean, he made adjustments, and he outthink everybody that you put in front of. He make the adjustment where if you catch him with a good shot, it's like playing a lottery. You may hit, but if you don't, you'll never get opportunity to hit again. I mean, I got opportunity when I heard him in the fourth round. He changed it up and said, "Oh, I can't exchange with this fight. I'm going to box you." So he started boxing. He's a very smart, technical fighter. Shane Mosley caught him with a great right hand. And um, he made the adjustment, saying that recording again worth it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And two years before that Floyd fight, um, you know, I hate to bring it up. I know that you went through a bit of a tough time outside of the ring. Uh, I can imagine it must be a bit of a sensitive subject. Uh, could you tell us sort of what happened, obviously, um, you know, w- with your sibling and, and how that event impacted your life and boxing career? Uh, when my brother was murdered. Yeah, I hate to touch on it. I know it's obviously a sensitive subject. Oh, no, it's subject, fine. It's but, fine. Um... I mean, I mean that, no, it's not. See, I'm, I'm much older now. I understand life more than I did back then, but it's hard when you grow up with a fighter. He was a boxer at that time um, when we were growing up. He used to box, and uh, we went to school together. We went to elementary school together. He was a friend. And you find out that someone who you hung out with play with, kill your brother, it's hard. It's hard to live with it. And the reason he done it because someone paid him to do it. So it was a pay hit for my brother. But I, I move on and I live. I had my wife and kids to take care of and my brother left six children at the time when he was murdered. 
she had three girls and three boys, and I was just helping, trying to provide for them and take care of my family at the same time. It was hard, but we made it through. I mean, one of my nephews, my brother's son, he's a detective on the police force now because his dad was murdered. Um, one of his daughters just graduated from college, and he has another one who's studying to be a doctor. So the kids turned out to be great, successful young children. I'm pleased to hear that. Um, I know it must be, you know, it would have been quite crazy. It's quite surreal to be world champion at the time. And for for an event like that, for something, you know, that horrific to, to occur. And then obviously straight after that, as you say, you were doing your, your utmost best to help, um, you know, look after his children. I know that you've you, you've got some children of your own. How many, just how many children were you fending for at that time in such a such a highly emotional time with such such a status being world champion as well? I think it was a total of almost 12. Cause he had six and I think I had five and I was coming right behind him to catch up and make six. <laughs> yeah. Amazing stuff, though. Amazing stuff. I'm very happy, as I say, to to to, to hear that they're all doing very well. Um, on to a more positive note now, Chop. I know that you've gone on to share the ring with many exceptional fighters. You fought in 17 different countries to date, which is the craziest. Wow. Yeah, 17. <laughs> I didn't know I was, that many. Yeah, I was counting the other day. You fought everywhere. So, um. I want to ask you, you must have been in some crazy experiences. You must have had some crazy trips over the years to fight in these places. Have you got any that, you know, stuck in your head? Uh, the worst country I've ever stayed in was Bolivia. Them five days made me really look at life different. I regretted going there because the poverty was so hard and the way I had to live for five days. And then on top of that, I beat the guy in the fight, knocked him down, and I still didn't get to the city. <laughs> and I got cheated out some of my money. I didn't get all my money. <laughs> oh wow, wow! Any other any other crazy stories from any other of the countries? Uh, no, but all the other countries I've been to, have, I have been great, great experience in Russia, China, uh, London, all over the world. I mean, I have been, like you said, seventeen countries, and I love every country I've been in except Bolivia. Bolivia <laughs> was the worst. Okay, we won't talk about Bolivia anymore. Now I know that you're fighting. You're fighting next week in Puerto Rico. You've been there before to fight Miguel Cotto. Uh, this opponent that you're fighting next week is unbeaten. You've fought many unbeaten fighters in your time. You've given some of them their first loss as well. Do you see yourself taking somebody else's O next week? Uh, that's the game plan. I'm a veteran. He's a young prospect fighter, and the game plan is to take him to school. He's going to make a lot of mistakes, and my job is to capitalize on his mistakes. And I have to make him play when he makes a mistake. I just can't let him get away with mistakes and don't capitalize on it. Yeah, of course. And I've got to ask you this, Chop. How much hunger and ambition do you have left at this age? I know that you did an interview, I believe it was back in 2010, stating that you had nothing left to prove, which I don't think anybody can disagree with, um, and the plan was originally to retire at age 37. Obviously, you're 42 now. Have you got something to prove at this age? Not nothing to prove. I'm, I'm hungry and I'm more dedicated now than I was 10 years ago, and my body has changed where I can maintain my weight and fight at lightweight where I should have been fighting at when I first turned pro in 1996. 
I mean, I started at 139 pounds in the Amazon, and then I had my pro debut at 140 pounds, and no one said, you're a lightweight. You don't have to weigh 135 unless you fight for the title. Most of all your fights would be at 138, 137 pounds. So I would come into the fight all the time at either 139, 138, 141. And my opponents, they were walking around at 147, 150. They'd come down to fight me at 140, 141. And as the years went by, the young fighters have grew. And I had fighters that were down from 164. Like when I fought Miguel Cotto, he came down probably from 160-something to make 140, and the night of the fight, he came back in at 158 pounds, and I came in at 141 pounds. Yeah. I weighed in at 137 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. So you say that you're more, you know, you're more hungrier now, you're more dedicated now than 10 years ago. That's when you said 10 years ago. Do you think that you've learned a lot more about the business side of the game in that time as well? Is that fair to say? Yes, I have. Uh, it's a very business mind sport. And who are you connected to before you can get the fight? you got to be connected to someone for the door to be open. And I'm at the end of my career, and me not being promoted by no one, that's the reason why it's hard for me to get the fight in the state. Because the promoter looking at me as an older fighter, he's a veteran, and I have a young prospect, I'd rather not put my fighter in this type of fight because he's a dangerous fighter. So why fight someone where you make sure the chance of your fighter getting knocked out or getting beaten or took in the school? And if they go to distance, most likely they're going to lean towards the promoter and his fighter. But it's a hard chance of getting me to go to distance if I'm on my game. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I want to ask you a couple of... Um... Well, a couple of fun questions now, just to round it off, sure. Chop, if you don't mind. I want to ask you this. Um, the hardest puncher, I want to know the hardest puncher you fought or sparred with. I got two. The hardest puncher I sparred with, a fighter named Teddy Reed okay. out of, out of uh, Maryland. He can punch. He hit me so hard one day in the gym. After I got finished sparring, I went to the mall to get something. And you're walking in the store and you're looking at the clothes and then everything just goes boom, blank, blackout. For like two seconds, it just went completely dark. And then it, the light came back on. And I'm like, I was with my best friend at the time, James Bates. I said, James, you see that? He's like, what? I'm like, everything just went black. He's like, nah. Like, man, I think Teddy Reed, man, hit me so hard, I'm having a blackout. And then it happened again when I was about to leave the store. I said, boom, everything just went black. I said, he did it again, James. I said, man, he never sparred until he did it again. Uh, the other fighter in the fight, I say Lucas Matisse. Oh, yeah. Was the hardest the hardest puncher I've been in there with. Harder than Madonna? Heck, yeah, Madonna can't punch. <laughs> Both guys. He's a better, Madonna was a better fighter after he fought me because he switched trainers and he came to the U.S. Yeah. That's when Robert Garcia got with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought I always thought he was he was a pretty big puncher. I think the Argentinians are all pretty big punchers. In fairness, probably is. I fought two of them. <laughs> but no, you say that Matisse. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Matisse was the hardest fighter you fought with as a pro. He's the hardest puncher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I've got to ask you this as well, Chop. Do you watch the sport a lot? Are you a fan of the? Sport? I watch it. 
Uh, yeah, very, very much of a fan of the sport. I like to watch uh, fighters close to my weight class, but I watch them all, though. I was going to ask you that. I watched the Triple G and Danny Jacob fight. Oh, what a uh, fight. A couple weeks ago. Who did you have winning that, by that, the way? That was a great close fight. I like Danny Jacob. I thought Danny Jacob won the fight by a split decision, but they gave it to Galati. Um, probably because of the knockdown, and it's a lot of politics into boxing, and you yeah. got to look at it where they're building Canelo, Canelo and Chavez, and they're also building Triple G to fight Canelo. So it's like you don't want Triple G to take a loss because it's going to damage the Canelo fight, most likely. Yeah, of course. Of but course. Canelo has a tough fight in front of him also. He has to fight Chavez. And if yeah. Chavez beat him, that's going to damage the Canelo fight. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I am looking forward to that. Um, I, I want to ask you then, if, um, as you say, you sort of watch guys that are near to your weight. Which guys do you particularly like watching near to your weight? I like watching the world's weight. Um, and, and everybody at 140 and 135. Mostly, I like the 135 pounders guys in my weight class. Because um, I would like to get a shot at one of the champions at 135. Who would you like at 135? Who would you like to fight at 135? Lenoa. Jorge Lenoa. Oh, you want you you like Lenares? You know he just fought this weekend. Did you see that fight at all? No, I didn't see it. Oh, he did really How well, did he actually. Do? He did really, really well. Uh, obviously, you know, he fought, he fought Anthony Crawler. Crawler was the WBA champion, and they fought before, just at the back end of last yeah, year. So they gave it to Anthony again? Yeah, I remember they fought before. Yeah, no, they fought before, and um, and and Linares won a decision, and this time he won a decision again. But it was very, very clear. You know, it was. But I, I believe, if I haven't got it, mis- if I'm not mistaken, I believe he won on all three judges' scorecards, eleven rounds to one. It was a really, really wow. brilliant That's a performance. Dead yeah, yeah. Okay. It was a brilliant. He looked amazing, to be honest. He looked his old self. Everybody's now That's talking good. about Mikey Garcia fighting him, which I think is a yeah. brilliant fight. But I actually side with Mikey Garcia. How do you see that? That would be a great fight for Mike. I think Mikey will beat him. Yeah. It's a brilliant I don't know fight. what it would take for me to get a shot. Um, I know Golden Boy and they know who I am. I fought a couple of Oscar fighters. I know they wouldn't still put their fight in it. They're taking a big risk, so they wouldn't do it. Yeah, Oscar was actually ringside at the fight. It happened over here in the UK. So, um, Chop, if you could fight any of the guys at 135, is Lenares the man that you, you know, you've got your eye on most? 100%. That WBC title at 135. He's got the WBA. Mikey's got the WBC. Oh, Mikey has the WBC now? Yes, sir. I got my eye on Mikey now. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Robert Garcia was like, no, we ain't going to mess with this old man because I fought his nephew. I beat his nephew, stopped him. Fought his nephew two years ago oh, at 140, ago. and I, I came in at 135. How, how many rounds did that the, fight go? It went seven. I got on the scale with all my clothes on and weighed 137 pounds. And he came in weighing 140, and I took him to school and – I just beat him so bad, his his uncle Robert just stopped the fight. Said, "No, that's enough." Oh, that was Javier Garcia. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he retired. He retired on his stool. Yep. He's 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 making a fighter retire on their stool. Is that the best way of beating a fighter, in your opinion? Does that feel the best? Not the best. I would I would rather the referee call a halt for me. But when a corner take it and stops the fight. They see stuff that the ref doesn't see, 
so that's why he stopped the fight. He seen his nephew getting hit with shots that the ref seen me hitting him with, but the ref wasn't really going to jump in there and stop the fight. Okay. Fair point. And the last two questions I got for you now, Chop, before I let you go, um, as you say, you, 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 you told me that you, you know, you watch all the big fights in boxing. If you could make any one fight in boxing right now across any weight class, what fantasy fight would you make out of two fighters in today's boxing, both still active fighters? Which fight would you make? Mayweather and um, Conor McGregor. That'd be one. Really? You want to see that fight? Yeah. Yeah, I want to see that fight. Is that a fight that you give McGregor any chance in? Any fighter has a chance. I mean, he's a southpaw. That's the good part about it. And uh, there's a good chance Mayweather may not see the punches coming from that angle, like when he fought me. There's a lot of shots he didn't see coming from a southpaw angle. Any other fights? And I would like to see, which was already going to happen, Galati Galata and um, Canelo. That fight will happen if if Chavez Jr. doesn't throw a spanner in the works when he fights uh, when he fights Canelo, of course. Yeah, that's going to be a great fight. Yeah, so, but you see Canelo coming through that one though, yeah. For the Chavez. Yeah. Or for Triple G. Oh, in fact, both. I'm going to ask you both. I think Chavez can beat Canelo if he stick to his game plan and box him. Don't get him shootout. But if they go to war, Canelo going to have him hit him with some great shots and he may knock him out. Yeah, definitely an intriguing fight. And if Canelo does come through that fight and he takes on Triple G, how do you see that one playing out? Now I think Canelo will try to outbox Triple G because he's seen Galati have problems with fighters that can move their head a little bit and box. So don't get in the shootout with Galati. It's yeah. different. He want to shoot out with Chavez and try to get Chavez to shoot out with him to get a knockout. But you don't want to get a shootout with Galati. No. No, that would be a silly thing to do, of course. And and Galati's a much slower fighter. He's a slow fighter. Yeah, I think he. I think he actually. He's uh, he's troubled with speed. I don't think he takes speed very well, Gennady Golovkin. At all. Yeah. No. no. And finally, Chop, the the last question. I have to ask this question to everybody that we speak to from over sure, from sure. overseas, especially some of the guys that have been in the game a long time. I've got to ask you this: Who is your favorite? UK fighter, not just now, it can be from any era. Who's your favorite UK fighter of all time? Prince Hamid. Ah, oh, this is the most common <laughs> answer. Everybody says this. Everybody loves Prince Nassim. He was a cool, slick, southpaw fighter. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was a switch here. He could go any. He could go in any stance. Yeah. He was quality. Yeah. He had rhythm and style. He 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 can do it, man. Yeah. He was, he was I can't definitely... believe I can't believe how much weight he has put on over the years now. Oh, it's a sad sight actually seeing him now. It's a sad sight. Yes, it is. Yeah. Very sad to see a fighter who was just so phenomenal in the sport and then lose it all after they retire from boxing. Their body just goes from fitness to unhealthy. 
Yeah, it is pretty sad to see. And finally, Chop, before I let you go, it's actually been good. I've enjoyed this because usually I kind of inter- interview guys. It's strictly interviewing. This has been more like a friendly chat. It's quite it's quite new. I quite like the feel of this, if I'm being completely honest with you. I don't I don't mind talking. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to just give you a chance just to uh, just to send a message to any of your UK fans that have been supporting you over the years. Just I know that you know you, you don't do interviews too much with many UK people, so. I want to give you a chance just to send a message for any of your loyal supporters from over here. I look forward to hopefully getting another fight over in the UK. I thank y'all for supporting me. Um, if I get opportunity to come back to the UK, come support me, take pictures, sign autographs with me, and we'll have a great time. Excellent. Okay, listen, Chop, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Thank you for giving us a piece of your time. Best of luck for next weekend, and we'll catch up very soon. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 76 of the Box Hard Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. We've brought you yet another world champion. Thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former WBO world champion Demarcus Chop Chop Corley and Liam Dole Williams. I don't know why they call him Dole because he's knocking everybody out of late. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as Summer, has done his bit too. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs>